Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We're excited to be in your house. Excited, Lord, to come together and to experience the love that you have for each one of us. Lord, for some it's been a challenging week and uh, we want to acknowledge that. There have been difficult times. And Lord, we don't come here light and fluffy. Our joy is in you in spite of those difficult challenges. But Lord, we have seen victory this week. And Lord, we gather together to celebrate that victory. We gather together to be reminded, Lord, that uh, followers of you have hope in spite of hopeless circumstances. That your love reigns supreme. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray it would be powerful because you are a powerful and mighty God who loves us so. That, Lord, this love that you have for us is not the love that we reflect in our relationships. It's not the love of ice cream or the next piece of candy or time or whatever our TV shows. This love is deep. This love is life-changing. And so, Lord, I ask even now that you'd come into our lives uh, this morning, you'd speak into our lives that we would understand your understanding of love. One, Lord, so that we can understand and, and experience that love in our own life. And two, so that we can share that and reflect that in our, uh, those we come in contact with. That our relationships with you and others will be better because we better understand who you are. I pray your words would be powerful this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning is out of Hosea chapter 11. And before I read it, I, I want to give you something to think about. It, to me, it reads like this. It reads like a parent who is journaling the frustration of raising a child. If you've had one, you understand. If you have one now, you understand. If you don't, you will understand, right? My, this is probably the journal my parents were, were journaling like crazy when I was being raised. In all seriousness, it's, it's God venting his love and concern for his people. And being reminded that they weren't all that faithful to him. And his frustration is to smite them at one point in the scripture. And he relents. He realizes, although it's hard and difficult, I will still continue to love my people. So as I read, just think about someone sitting writing this in a journal. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called him my son. 
But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bales and they burned incense to the images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking him by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. I bent down to feed them. Will not they return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. How can I give up Ephraim? How can I hand over Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? And how can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. My, all my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When He roars, His children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows. From Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their home declares the Lord. May God add His blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Let you be taking us to that spot where we meet with you one-on-one. -on -one. That it wouldn't be about singing, it wouldn't be about uh, being in a pew, it would be about a relationship with you even at this very moment we realize, Lord, that that is what matters. That our relationship with you is the only thing that matters. Forgive us, Lord, for those things that get in the way of that. Lord, as we look at the way you love us, may we begin to reflect that love towards others in our life. Lord, I ask even now that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to recognize those relationships, Lord, that may feel like this Scripture this morning, that they are broken and they are not repairable, and that there is no hope. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to be, accept the idea that maybe because there is hope with you, there is hope with others. Thank you, Lord, for always loving us the way you love us unconditionally. The way that you continue to make bids to connect with us. May we be the people that seek your face. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Good morning couple announcements I'm supposed to tell you. If you're on a board and you're supposed to meet tomorrow night, you need to see the head of your board. Uh, there's a good chance that you won't be meeting tomorrow night. Uh, 
but see that person. If you don't know who that person is, and this is supposed to be your first meeting ever on a board, see me or Brentley, and we'll direct you in the right path. Uh, that being said, there was something else too. Oh, I wanted to show you what, what it's going to look like next Sunday. I forgot about this. So it'll be look pretty good next Sunday. If you come next Saturday, you can, uh, you'll see my name will be down here, 2020. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, I'm thinking in heaven, there, you know, there's going to be crowns and there'll be certain jewels, and I'm thinking there'll be an apron. And, I mean, look at all these names. I mean, those are some pretty high-powered, pretty high-powered people on there. And if you don't know, Sue Hoyt's on there twice. Bobby Lewis won a couple years ago. This last year's winner will not be here. Uh, I don't think he's flying from Florida. He didn't say anything anyway. So Bobby has a chance. Maybe we'll see. Probably not, Bobby. Bobby had beginner's luck, if you don't know. Bobby was on the phone getting a recipe from his father, throwing things in a bucket, put it together, turned the heat on, and he won. You know what that tells me? Anybody can win chili cook-off. I thought I heard jealousy. Jealousy? All that being said, there is a sign-up in the back. Um, There's actually more names than normal on there. Um, There'll be about 20 chilies. Usually there's about four on there and 20 show up. Uh, Feel free to sign up. And more importantly, grab a paper and invite somebody who doesn't come to our church. Invite them and sit with them and spend some quality time fellowship with, the, with them. Uh, nothing says love like a bowl of chili. I'm trying to help you guys out. Take your wife on a hot date to Greenfield next Saturday afternoon. Perfect, Kenny. <laughs> a couple of things I do need to make mention. Last week I said... Uh, in, in passing, there was a scripture on my mind, and, and I said it was Romans chapter 12. It was not Romans chapter 12. It was Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Um, I was talking about the snowmobile suit. No one runs a marathon with a snowmobile suit, right? And I, and I could see it in my mind, the scripture, but I couldn't, I couldn't read the heading in the, on my mind. And I thought it was Romans, and I said Romans, and I just want to clarify that. I appreciate someone asked me that question last week. Uh, after service and called me out. I appreciate that. Um, that's a good thing. So uh, just so you know, we're in our second week of looking at uh, what love looks like or what, what is love according to God. Um, and you may remember that uh, this is the Hallmark month of uh, Hallmark holiday month, right? And this week, boys and girls is... Uh, so what are you guys doing for uh, Valentine's Day? Anybody got any great... Uh, Sleeping, that's a pretty good one. Brian Renner, what are you doing? Going to work. Going to work. Brian's going to work. What are you doing, Ken? Yeah, Ken, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> not to put you on the spot, but... Hopefully not getting pulled over. If Kenny has, yeah. <laughs> if Kenny has a black eye next Sunday, we know what happened. <laughs> going to a hockey game. Nothing says love like a fight, right? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> Karen will be asking for a report next week to see. He, he better up the ante. <laughs> uh, 
Any other ideas? Anybody else doing anything exciting for Valentine's Day? Going bowling. Yeah, that's pretty important. Oh, man. So it is that Hallmark holiday time, right? And we've been talking about um, love and what that looks like. And I want you to think of how it pertains to those human relationships you have in your life. Maybe your spouse or a significant other, uh, your kids, your friends, um, and also your relationship with God. Because I hope there's love there. Um, because to me, that's the big difference between God and uh, the Baals, right? Or those... those um, those idols in our life. The difference is what they did to the Baals is they would pay homage. They would pay some money and it would satisfy a need. But with God, there was a relationship. And that was the struggle. God was like, listen, I'm trying to be a good father and you're just not doing the things you're supposed to do. And you may remember that we've been talking about Hosea. We'll be talking about Hosea for next two weeks, actually, as well. And if you know anything about the prophet Hosea, if you didn't hear it last week, I'll give you a quick synopsis. The prophet Hosea is, is an odd place to find out about love. And the reason it's an odd place to find out about love is because Hosea the prophet was given this responsibility. God said to him, listen, I want you to go and I want you to find yourself a wife who will be unfaithful to you. The scripture says a prostitute. And I want you to marry her. And after you marry her, she's going to run away. She's going to go chase after other men. And I want you to go find her and bring her home. And I want you to love her even more. And she's going to run away again. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to love her even more. She's going to run away again and sell herself into slavery. And you know what I want you to do, Hosea? Love her even more. God was using Hosea as this living illustration, this living example of how he has been to us. And if you didn't get it yet, I'm going to try to, I'm going to like give you a little side note. Oh, we are the prostitute. Because in a lot of ways, we prostitute ourselves with God. Sure, we want the blessings of God, but we struggle to be faithful to God in those things where we know we need to be. And last week we talked about what it looks like to be responsible in love. Do you remember that? That we need to acknowledge the fact that we have sin in our life and begin to change those things, to take those things and to get rid of them. Remember that idol with the nice little car on top? Um, that was just a visual that stuck in my head, right? But... But that's those idols in our life, we begin to we quickly put things in front of God. And we want God to bless us. We want that blessing. Right? Nobody wants to be cursed. We want that blessing. So we do enough in our minds, we do enough to appease God so He'll continue to bless us. But we don't want to fix all the problems in our life and follow them a hundred percent. And last week we talked about we have a responsibility as believers in Christ. If you call yourself a believer, you need to rid yourself of those sins and begin to change the way you're doing life. This week we're going to talk about romance. That's a nice word, huh, Ken? You like that word? So what's romance mean in the English language today? 
What does it look like? <laughs> I'm ratting you out, Veronica. <laughs> Veronica spoke for Ken and said, I don't know. <laughs> Woo! He might have two black eyes. <laughs> nope. No. I got my work cut out. You do. <laughs> Call me. I'll give you some tips. No, but yeah. <laughs> I gave, did you, guys re, did you guys watch the countdown? I gave you romance in three, four easy steps. Dan, Dan the one where they're feeding each other, I'm a plumber. It's a, it's a bad Not very romantic. So what does romance look like today in this world we live? What does that word mean to you? Oh, man. Either nobody had... What is it, Ken? It means when it's hard, you never give up on them. You never turn your back on them and say that they're not important. Okay. You're more important than they are. That's pretty deep. Yeah, he's all right. Oh, I like him. I mean, he's all right. <laughs> the world says that it would probably look like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, right? Isn't that what the world says romance would look like? A relationship between two people who are not married. And it's all about actions and feelings. Is that what God's idea of romance looks like? You think? I th What's that? Commitment. Commitment, okay. A pers okay, a personal connection. God's vision of love and romance is way different than the vision and understanding we have today. You, re you realize that, right? I hope you understand that. We have made romance, that word, this erotic type understanding, um, this emotional type understanding, and we've moved it from what it originally was. See, originally, um, it comes from the Latin... Uh, uh, word for Roman or Roman style, and it was actually about a way people wrote books. It had nothing to do with being uh, cozy, warm, uh, candlelight dinner and roses and candy. It had nothing to do with that at all. It actually had to do with a style of writing that people could understand. But you know what was in those Roman no novels that would end up being romance novels? No. <laughs> Not Roman numerals, no. <laughs> Not at all. It was all about chivalry and about um, the knight who would come and save the day. He would come and take care of those who were being uh, put down or put away. It was about doing these things. Uh, it was really more about an adventure and excitement. That was romance. That idea that this was going to be a really exciting uh, sit-on-the-edge-of-your-seat kind of story. Maybe more of um, how it should be lived out in our way. It was about a knight in shining armor. And God's love is probably a whole lot more like that than this romantic idea of Roses and candy. So let's talk a little bit about what God's love looks like. By the way, I think that's a really cool picture. I just 
God's love looks like this. It looks unconditional. That means it's not conditioned or conditional to what you respond. It's not how he acts. This journal that we're reading today, this scripture that we're reading, and it reads like a journal, and it reads like God saying, listen, I have done everything I could to nudge my people in the right direction. I have tried to put them going in the right direction. He's venting, in, in my opinion. He's venting. He's venting and saying, these people, even though I have raised them, I helped pick them up. I, I love them. I drew them close, and what did they do? They went the other direction. I tried so hard to get them to do this, and they went that way. And you hear that frustration in his voice. I have tried so hard to get them to love me. I've taught them everything they need. I've given them... Anybody as a parent feel that way? I think, it's, I think it's really funny, and I didn't. good thing we don't know this, right? When we have children, we think it's hard when they're little. And then when they turn 18, we think, I always thought, I'd get rid of them and they'll be done and it'll be easy. <laughs> and it's absolutely the opposite, right? I raised them to this, do this, and they do their own thing. And I raised them to have a mind, and they do their own thing. And I gave them free will to make decisions, and they don't make them like I want them to. Isn't that what God's saying? I want them to do this, but they don't get it. Feels, feels pretty normal, right? <laughs> Life with a teenager. That's what God is saying. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. My people will not change. And yet he gets to the end of this passage and he says, I still, who am I? I'm God. And I still will love my children. You know, one of the things that I think that, uh, that God has given us marriage for is to represent, in a human broken way, His love for us. Right? That that relationship is the best connection we can have in brokenness and sin, the best understanding of uh, His love on this earth is that relationship with a spouse or with someone. And yet, we make it conditional, do we not? I'll love you as long as you do this. As long as you buy me a dozen roses for my birthday once a year, I'll love you. As long as you take care of my needs in this way, I will love you. As long as you're doing this, I will love you. That's conditional love, is it not? That is what we do in our brokenness. But that's not God's idea or ideal for love. His ideal for love is exactly what Hosea is doing in this passage. Even though you go and you committed adultery and you ran from me, 
You brought back a child that, good chance, was not his. I will still, I want you to take her back and love her. And I want you to love her more than you did before. And when she does it again, I want you to love her even more. And now it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to pay to get her back. And you know what? I want you to love her more. And I'll ask you that question. Is that how you do your relationships? Is your love unconditional like God's love is for us? See, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty thankful because the bar's pretty high for God, is it not? The bar was set really high. And I'm so thankful that He still loves me. Because I don't know about you, but the, but the bar I could get over is probably about a quarter of an inch from the ground. Right? Because we can't get over the bar God has set. We've messed it up so badly that we can't get over it. And yet God continues to love us. I can't help but think of that parable where uh, the person owes somebody money and they're frustrated. And I don't have the passage in front of me. But they want, just give me a little more time. And then they go to the other people and they, they are forgiven for their money, the money they owe, and they can't forgive the people who owed them money. Chapter 13 of uh, 1 Corinthians reminds us what love looks like. And if you've been to a wedding, you've heard it, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude or self-seeking. It's not easily annoyed. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never God's love never fails. He is faithful today as He was yesterday and as He will be tomorrow and for eternity. His love is unconditional. Second thing is that God's love is very much long-suffering. That's a nice word. I was going to put persevering, but I thought long-suffering reminds me more of that idea that it may take a long time, that it may be difficult, and that it may not pay dividends today. It continues on and on and on and on. When he's talking about uh, Hosea in, in that passage, he's talking about how can I hand them over? He also talks about... Uh, how can I treat you like Adma or Zeroboam? Does anybody know where those were at? Or anything about them? Does anybody have a geography? I'd tell you to Google it, but we have no cell service in here, so you don't have to worry. I can tell you, though. Those were two cities. Those were two cities in a story of, that they don't have their name attached to, uh, except in Deuteronomy. And I think you'll remember this story. There's a story... Uh, in Deuteronomy 29, no, never mind about, no, it wasn't Deuteronomy 29, but the story originally was in Genesis 18, and there's a dialogue between God and Abraham, 
and they're looking over this city. And God tells Abraham, I will tell you what I'm about to do. He says, here's what I'm going to do. And it's going to happen pretty soon. I'm going to let you know. He said, you see that city over there? That city, Sodom. And you see that city, Gomorrah. And Admon. And Zeroboam, whatever it says. I don't know how to pronounce it. Zebayim, how's that? He says, you know what? There's no righteous people left in those places. And I'm going to destroy those cities. They will be no more. There will be no more city there. In fact, there'll be so much no more city, the only record will be in Scripture of their name. There will be nothing left. Nothing to show that there was ever anything there. And Abraham says, but God, if there's 50 people righteous in those cities, will you spare it? Will you spare it for 50 people who are righteous? God says, I will spare it for 50. And of course, Abraham does what we all do, right? He bargains. He bargains with God. How about 45, he says? How about 45 people? If there are 45 righteous people, will you spare it for 45 people? And again, God responds, yes, I will spare it for 45 people. And he goes through this cycle of 40 and 30 and 20 and 10. And God, again, says, I will spare those cities for ten righteous people. If you read on a little further, you know what happened. Either there were only nine. I doubt that. (laughs) I doubt there were zero righteous people in those cities. He totally destroys those cities. So there's nothing left. Barren land that looked like nothing had ever been there. Just think about that for a moment. Taking a city and totally destroying everything in it to the, so that there was nothing left, just barren land. And God says, listen, is that what you guys want me to do? He's telling the Israelites. Do you want me to destroy you? Because that's where I'm at. I'm frustrated. How can I give up on you? How can I treat you like those cities and destroy you? It's on his mind. And yet, he remembers that he still loves his people. Kind of reminds me of a marriage commitment. And we don't, when we get married, I don't think we really ever think about the words we speak uh, when we do our vows, right? To have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse. We like the better, not so much the worse. We like the richer, not so much the poor, right? We like the health, not so much the sickness. For as long as we both shall live. Think about that for a moment. That is long-suffering. That God continued to love His people in spite of who they were. And I'll ask you that question. Your relationships in your life... Are you willing to be long-suffering? Are you willing to reflect God's love towards you to other people? I think this is the hardest part, right? You did me wrong, and I won't forget it. I might forget it, or I might forgive you, but I won't forget it. You did me wrong, and you'll have to pay. 
Whoops. I went to... God says, listen, even though I know you're going to continue to be unfaithful, I will continue to love you. You see the, the image of Hosea and his wife and God and his people? Even though Hosea's wife Gomer continued to be unfaithful, Hosea was called to continue to love her. And we are continu- continually called to love other people. Maybe the most important uh, piece is that God's love is forgiving. I think his heart is broken when we choose to go the wrong way. But in verse 9, he says, I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again, for I am God and not a man. And I will not come against their cities. My heart is broken for their moral failure. My heart is broken because they have taken these idols into their life. My heart is broken and yet I will find a way to forgive them. Scriptures in uh, Psalms reminds us that as far as the east is from the west is as far God has removed uh, the transgressions of our life. The sin in our life. I don't know where you're at this morning. Um, a lot of times we come with a guilty conscience when we come to church. We come reminded that we are not up to that level, that we aren't up to that standard that God has set for us. And you know what? We're all that way. And yet God, who in His infinite wisdom loves us so much, has made a way for us to be forgiven. And in His infinite wisdom, He made a way for us to be loved like we've never been loved before. See, we live in a world where love is twisted and turned and cheapened and made to be uh, something much less than it is. We love ice cream. We love TV shows. And somehow we're supposed to love God in that same vein. And I don't know about you, but they're not even close. The great part is that God has given us this opportunity to meet with Jesus, to be connected with Jesus at a very intimate level, and He loves us like no other. He loves us like no other can. He takes our sin and He takes it as far as the east is from the west. He takes it and... and, uh, removes it from our lives. And I don't know if you think much about how powerful that is to think about. But I've done some messed up things. I've done some things that just probably shouldn't be forgivable. And yet God loves me. And He loves you the same. And He wants that relationship with you. It's not about that perfection because we already messed that up. I promise you, you have sinned. But God's love covers that sin. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have that opportunity. 
today. Don't leave without that opportunity to talk. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and we are thankful for your word. Thankful that, Lord, you love with, with reckless abandon. That you love, Lord, unconditionally in our lives. That you love us so much that you are willing to take us even in our brokenness. Lord, I pray for any uh, heart this morning who is sensing a need to find you. I pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts, give them strength and encouragement to step out. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. That their lives, Lord, would be different leaving here than when they came. Because, Lord, you are a miracle worker in our lives. You are the hope in an otherwise hopeless world we live. And, Lord, we thank you for the way that you continue to love us, care over us, and make us. In your name we pray. Amen.